0: purchase some of the plastic shoe boxes in our bookstore. You can go by there and pick them up there. but um, this is just a great way to be a part of the mission of God. It's a great way for parents to involve their kids in missions. It's also a great way for grandparents to share a missions moments with their their grandkids as well. So we just want to let you know about this. We need all the shoe boxes back by November 24th so you can get on that. You got about a month uh, to work on that. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Your guest with us. We're especially glad that you're here. We want to get to know you. One of the ways that we do that is through the registration card. It's located there in the pew rack. If you could take that, fill it out. Uh, if you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray for you. Later on in our service, when we take up our offering, you just drop that into play and that could be your offering this morning. So, as we talk about Operation Christmas Child, we also have another opportunity for you to be involved in missions this week. This week is our week of prayer for the Walloff people. Now, the of people are our Send a mission team to them every year to work with IMB missionaries in Paris who work with the Wolof people. The Wolof people primarily live in West Africa, but some migrate uh, to Europe for to work, and so that's why we go there. But this week, you have an opportunity each day to pray specifically for the Wolof, and then on Saturday, we want to ask you to commit to praying for the Wolof all year. So you want to keep this pamphlet that's in your worship guide, it has how so you can pray for them year specific request from IMB missionaries. And so today we're praying for churches to be planted among the wall so that they can gather for worship just like we are doing today. So if you will, would you pray for me as I pray for the wall off people this morning? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your goodness to us, God. Lord, that we have a gospel to share. God, that you sent your son for us, for our sin. We pray for the wall of Lord, I pray for more workers and Lord, I pray for the workers who are planting churches among the wall of people. I pray for more disciples to be made, Father, and that this group of people who is unreached would be reached, Father, for your glory, because you are worthy of worship.
1: There is a river of gladness that pours from Emmanuel's veins. The sinner was plunged beneath the flood and God saved. Come on, you sing. Since then,
2: Chains of the past are broken at last, I got saved.
1: Sing this song to call on the Holy Spirit. To come, you are welcome in this place. I ask Jennifer to sing this with us. She's going to lead us out on this, but uh, you sing along.
2: There's no You're our living home, your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves. When my heart becomes free and my shame is
3: So, how is your thinking? This month I'm sharing a series of sermons where we're considering our thought life. The goal, the title of the series is Think Like Jesus. And Our goal this month is to develop a mindset, a perspective, a thought life that is like Jesus. I'm a big fan of Winnie the Pooh, and Pooh Bear taps his head and says, That's what I want us to try to do this uh, month, is to think, think, think like Jesus. And so today, we're going to look at the book of Romans and survey three passages in Romans that talks about our thinking. And today, what we want to learn is how we can move from confused thinking to clear and discerning thinking. How can that happen in our lives, that we can learn to think like Jesus? Well, first, we have to begin by understanding that our thinking is confused and why it's confused. So, the first part of the sermon, we're going to sort of have to learn the bad news before we can get to the good news, okay? So, it's a little bit dark, a little bit disturbing. You you with me? I'm just sort of warning you about the first part here, okay? We begin in Romans 1, and it tells us there uh, how we came to be confused in our thinking, When you reject God's revelation, your thinking becomes confused. That's what we're going to see in the Scripture here in Romans 1, that God's revealed himself to us, and that when we reject his revelation, the result in our lives is that our thinking becomes confused. Let's look at it together in the Scripture. Romans 1, beginning at verse 20. For since the creation of the world... God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So that verse tells us that God has revealed himself to us through his creation. That's the universal revelation to all people. Everyone has some knowledge that there is a God in the beauty of a sunset, in the beauty of a butterfly's wings, in the beauty of a little newborn child, In the starry sky at night, we see the grandeur, the majesty, the creativity, the beauty, the existence of God. God, this verse says, has revealed himself to us and his existence is clear. So verse 21, the next verse says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So this verse says, although we all know something about God, the first phrase says, what we have chosen to do is we don't give God the glory we should. Human beings in general, all of us, do not worship Him or thank Him. And so the result is that our thinking has become futile, or the New Living Translation translates it, confused. Our thinking has become confused. You see, if we worship God, that keeps our thinking in right perspective. God's here, I'm here. When I thank God and glorify Him, it gives me the right mindset and perspective in life. But when we don't acknowledge God's revelation, we don't glorify Him or don't uh, thank Him, this verse says, then the result is that our thinking becomes confused. And that's where all of us are all of us as humans have chosen our own way rather than God's. And result, it's messed up. Our minds, we're confused. doesn't mean we're of low intelligence. It just means that we morally, we don't have discernment. Spiritually, we don't have insight. Our thinking is confused. So then, it tells us after that in these verses that there is a three-step digression where God has given us over. We're going to see the phrase three times in these next few verses, God gave them over, and what it is saying here is that when we don't worship God and our minds become confused, it just sort of spirals downward, and we become more and more confused, and, and God sort of allows us the consequences of our own rebellion. His, his, he sort of backs off of us and lets us experience the way that we want to go, so that in hopes that it would bring us back to him. So let me show you these three um, phases here. First, God gave them over is in verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desire of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. So first of all, God says, our thinking becomes futile, and God will in a society just back off and let us have our ways, and it, he abandons us to sexual immorality or sexual purity. Now, this is true of all humanity at all times, but I think there is a digression in culture here, and I think that these three phases that I'm about to tell you about, I can see happening in my lifetime in our culture. I think we're experiencing this Downward digression. Now, I know that some people say, don't all preachers say that every generation is worse than the one before? Don't always preachers always say, oh, things are getting worse? Well, In in some sense, these things that we're going to look at, they've always characterized human beings. I'm not saying there's any more of this now than there was, but I am saying in our culture there has been an approval of these things. We as as a culture have abandoned clear thinking on these issues that we're about to look at, and God has allowed us to experience this downward spiral. So this first God gave this over, I'll tell you when I think it's happened in our culture. Verse 24, I'm telling you when I think in our culture, verse 24 happened, I think it happened in the 1960s. I think we so insisted on our own way in regard to sexuality that in the 1960s, what sociologists and historians call the sexual revolution, there was this abandonment of uh, commitment to a biblical view of sex. In 1960, the beginning of the decade, Hugh Hefner opened his first Playboy Club in Chicago. On through the mid-1960s, the free love movement developed. At the end of the 1960s, by 1969 was Woodstock. By 1973, the Supreme Court had overturned prohibition of abortion. And so you have in that time period what I think is happening in verse 36. Because of this, or verse 34, because of this, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity, to degrading their bodies with one another. I'm not saying it happened more than in the past, but I'm saying our culture developed a different way of thinking about this in our confusion. And so what I want to say is, you know, there's a whole generation, if you're 40 or younger, you've, this is all you've known. This is your new normal. And I want you to see it wasn't always the new normal. The hookup culture, living together before you get married, which is so much the norm today, that was not always the norm. It was not intended to be the norm. It is a result of confused thinking where God says you're determined to go this way. Okay, I abandon you to sinful desires of sexual impurity. You see? Okay, now let's go to the second step the next step where god gave them over verse 26 because of this god gave them over to shameful lusts even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones in the same way the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error and so in verse 26 god gave us over to shameful lusts and the approval of homosexuality. And that occurred in our culture in the early 2000s. Think back with me to 1996. In 1996, Congress approved, uh, passed the Defense of Marriage Act. The Defense of Marriage Act defined marriage as a relationship between one man and one woman. And it passed the Senate by a vote of 85 to 14 overwhelmingly passed the Senate. It passed the House by 342 to 66, overwhelmingly passed. I'm simply saying that in the late 1990s, there was still a consensus in our culture that that was not how we ought to define marriage. In 2008, uh, when November 2008, when President Obama was first running for office, he said, I I believe marriage must be between one man and one woman. But by four years later, in 2012, he had reversed course, and in 2013, the Supreme Court struck down the Defense of Marriage Act. Our culture, you see, had shifted in just those few years, right, from 2008 to 2013. We had done an about-face of approval on this. What had happened? I think what had happened was verse 26. God says, you're intent on going this way? I take the brakes off. I let you go. And so we've spiraled down into confusion of thinking on shameful lusts. And again, what I want to say to those of you who are teenagers here today, love you guys, you you don't see why old people like me. Why do we get so bent out of shape about this? It's just always been like this. And I want to say to you, no, it has been like this always in your lifetime. I understand that this is your normal of living, but it has not always been this way. In fact, it has only been in the last 10 years that our culture has been thinking this way. And it is a result of this confusion of thinking and this downward progression. And so that we have gotten today where this week... There's a family in Texas who has a seven-year-old boy and he likes the movie Frozen and so his mom has determined that he should be a girl and his dad says, no, he should be a boy and it went to the courts and the courts sided with the mom and so he's going to go through that transgender therapy of a seven-year-old because he likes the movie Frozen. Do you not see the confusion of the darkening of our hearts and the futility of our thinking? Just what this passage is talking about. I told you it was going to get sort of depressing now, right, at the beginning. So you want to know where we're going next, what the next step is? There's one more God gave them over. It's in verse 28. Furthermore, so I think this is what's next for our culture, unless there's a revival by the power of God and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, which I pray will happen in America, but unless there is, we're coming to verse 28. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over, here's the third time that phrase is found, to a depraved mind. So the the third step is God gives us over from confused thinking to depraved thinking. Let me tell you what that word means because we're gonna see it later. So I'm gonna tell you the Greek word is adokimos. If you're taking notes, you wanna write down under the word to pray. write A-D-O-K-I-M-O-S, adokimos. It means unqualified, unapproved, or unable to discern. And you know, in some of our words, if you put an A in front of it, it means not. Like theist means you believe in God, and atheist means you don't believe in God. Dokimos, in Greek, means qualified, approved. Dokimos, which is our word here, means not qualified, not approved. I'm telling you this because we're going to see this word again a little later in Romans. So you can sort of, if you want to remember it, think of okie-dokie, you know, okie-dokie. So this means we're not okie-dokie, okay? Dokimos, unqualified, unapproved, we're depraved in our thinking. What's going to result from that? Look at verse 29, Here's, here's where we are. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They uh, disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. I think that's our next step apart from a renewal of God and our culture. So that's how we got confused. That's where, how we got to where we are today. God revealed himself to us, and although we knew God, we did not glorify him or thank him. He gave us over to futile thinking and darkened hearts, and our darkened hearts spiraled downward into sinful desires, shameful lusts, headed toward a depraved mind. Now, let's move to the good news, okay? You ready for some good news? Our next chapter in Romans that talks about thinking is Romans 8. And what Romans 8 tells us is, when you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit enables you to think clearly. So, it's not hopeless. Not hopeless. If you believe in Jesus, one of the results of that, not only when you believe in Jesus does it mean you're going to heaven when you die. Not only when you believe in Jesus does it mean your past sins are forgiven, but when you believe in Jesus changes your discernment your thought life your ability to think clearly we're going to see that in romans 8. let me begin, begin in verse 1 reading sort of some background verses romans 8 1 therefore there's now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus romans 1 about why we're under condemnation but romans 8 tells us that nobody has to be under condemnation so it doesn't matter if you've been involved in shameful lusts or if you're involved right now in sexual immorality or sinful desires or gossip or haters of parents doesn't matter you can be forgiven and you can come out from under any condemnation in that great news there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because verse 2 says through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death so you can be set free from your addictions uh, from those sins that seem to enslave you that you just can't break free of otherwise, because the Holy Spirit is powerful Verse 3 says, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. The amazing thing is, in our confusion and futility and depravity, God still loved us. Isn't that incredible? Incredible. And God sent his son, his one and only son, to come into the likeness of sinful flesh. He didn't become sinful but he came in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And he, so he condemned sin in the flesh, verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. So here's how your mind changes, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So when you believe in Jesus, He gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes within you, and the Holy Spirit produces in you a new mindset, clearer thinking. And this Holy Spirit gives you new desires. So becoming a Christian is not just fences that don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. It's inner desires that I want to do differently. And the Spirit produces those new desires it says so it says in verse 6 the mind governed by the flesh is death if your mind is governed by the flesh it leads to destructive choices have you ever known somebody who just seemed to be making one destructive choice after another destroying their family destroying their health destroying themselves that's the mindset of the flesh leads to death But, it says, the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Don't you want life? Don't you want peace? How can I have peace? Well, you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, clears up your thinking, gives you a new mindset that will enable you to make choices that lead to peace and lead to life. And so verse 7 says, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So I sort of put this in a chart, and I realized after I got it up here, the font's a little small for you to see, but I'm going to put it up here for those of you with good eyes. Good-eyed people can, can read this, okay? So it's just a contrast. The first column is, is verse 5, the mind set on the flesh and the mind set on the spirit. What's the result? Verse 6 says, mind set on the flesh leads to death. But the mindset on the Spirit leads to life and peace. Verse 7, the mindset on the flesh is hostile to God. You're always arguing with God. You're, you're against God. You don't, But the mindset on the Spirit submits to God. It brings a harmony to your life. Which of these two tracks characterizes you? You can change tracks. If your mind is set on the flesh, leading to destructive choices and causing enmity t- toward God, if you'll believe in Jesus... The Holy Spirit will come into your life, give you a new mindset, and it'll be a mindset that'll help you make choices that lead to life and cause you to submit to God, which is going to bring you into right order in your life. That's a pretty good deal. Pretty good deal. Today, you can clear up your thinking. Doesn't mean but you become smarter. Doesn't mean we're smarter than non Christians. A lot of non Christians, whole lot smarter experts. We we uh, we go to them. We appreciate their inventions. We learn from their learning. But as far as moral discernment, as far as spiritual wisdom, it's only by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God brings wisdom that gives you discernment. You can have that in your life. Now that's not the end of it. There's one more chapter in Romans that deals with our thinking. Chapter 1 is about our condemnation. Chapter 8 about our salvation. Chapter 12 about our sanctification, about our growth. After you receive Christ and have the Holy Spirit, your thinking clears up, but there's still going to be a battle for your mind. So in Romans 12 is about what you do after you're a Christian. Here it is, Romans chapter 12. It says, as Jesus transforms you, your thinking becomes sharper and you're able to discern God's will. So here's the process of Christian growth. Here's what you do after you Believe in Jesus and receive the Spirit. There's going to be a process in your life of continued shaping your mind because there are going to be forces from the outside trying to shape your thinking, even as a Christian. So, verse 12, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. So the world's still going to put pressure on you as a Christian to try to squeeze you into its image. Don't do that, but here's the alternative. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind key to Christian growth is you're going to have to renew, keep renewing, continually renew your mind. How do you do that? You renew your mind by the Word of God, the washing of the Word, by worship. Remember, we got in this mess of confused thinking because we did not glorify or thank God. So worship restores your right perspective, the Word, and by Christian interaction, iron sharpens iron. And so Those things are going to be used to renew your mind, and your mind is going to be your key to you and I growing spiritually. There's a country song, and the chorus of it, some of you may know it, the tagline says, I know what I was feeling, but what was I thinking? It's about this guy who makes questionable choices all evening long, and after each choice, the tagline, he says, I know what I was feeling, But what was I thinking? And if you're going to grow as a Christian, you cannot live according to your feelings. You've got to exercise the spirit of self-control that comes from the Spirit. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think, think. And so you've got to continually be in the Word and in worship and in Christian interaction because those things are going to shape and sharpen your mind and reprogram your thinking. And that thinking has to guide your growth. What's the result of that going to be? Look at the last part of verse 2. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Some people say to me, how can I know God's will? Well, here's how you can know God's will. When you believe in Jesus and have the mindset the Spirit produces and then you continue the process of transforming yourself through the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve. Let me tell you about the word test and approve. One Greek word translates our two English words, test and approved. It's the Greek word dokimos. Remember okie-dokie? So in chapter 1 we had adokimos, the result of our Rejecting God led to confused thinking that spiraled downward into sinful desires, shameful lust, and a depraved or an odd dokimos mind. And now here's how you can move from depravity to transformation and discernment. Then you'll be able to test and approve. Now you're qualified. Now you're discerning. Now you're able to approve or judge what? God's will. If you want to know how to know God's will for your life, follow this process of changing your thinking, and almost instinctively, then you will be able to approve the will of God, the good, pleasing, and perfect. Hear those three adjectives. Will of God is good. Wouldn't you like the good life? Pleasing life? Perfect life? You want a perfect life? The will of God is good and pleasing and perfect And if you'll not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the ring of your mind, then you'll be able, you'll be qualified to approve, to discern what is that good and perfect and pleasing will of God. That's the benefit of learning to think like Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to pray, first of all, for those who might be seeking your will for their lives. And I pray that they will see they'll never find it on their own. Their thinking is confused. And I pray that they would let the Holy Spirit transform them by renewing their mind that they may be able to test and approve the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. Lord, then I want to pray for those who would have to say, my thinking is confused. I've bought into some of the world's thinking. I would pray that today they would see that Jesus is the answer and put their faith in him and oh Holy Spirit, clarify their thinking, give them a mindset that will lead not to death but to life. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing a song of commitment and invitation and as we sing together, I'm going to invite you to say, I want to believe in Jesus. I I'll, I want to become a follower of him. I, I, I want that clear thinking. Would you walk down one of these aisles and meet me here as a way of saying, I, I publicly confess in Jesus. You can be baptized. Uh, somebody will lead you in a prayer. If you haven't yet prayed to receive Christ as Savior of your life. you need a church home, we invite you to come and join our church. you need, want somebody to pray with you about the will of God or anything else in your life, somebody will be glad to do that. This is our time just to respond to God's Spirit and his word as he leads you. You did. Thank you. Please be seated again. We're going to give our offerings now. We have the privilege of investing in God's work, which we so appreciate, but it's also the privilege to give back to God and worship. God, it all came from you. We give it back to you. If you're a guest with us, you can place your guest card and let that be your offering. Uh, I'll be at the Welcome Center after we close this service. I'd love to meet you if you're here for the first time. Stop by and see me. It's on the way to guest parking. I have a small gift for first-time guests. We're glad you're here today. Thanks for coming.
0: time we can come together in your house, Lord, study on your word, Father. Uh, Just pray that uh, you open our hearts, Lord, and uh, transform our minds in this nation, Lord. Uh, We pray for a a revival across this country, Lord, and we know that you're powerful and can do it, Father. Please bless these tithes and offerings and let them benefit your kingdom. All this we pray in your holy name.
4: All my life I've been told
2: for the-
5: so, hey, just want to remind you about a couple of things here um, before we get out of here. If you are available and can work on Halloween night, we'd love to have your trunk backed up here in the parking lot. There's still some spots that you can sign up for. And so if you can do that, you can sign up there at the welcome desk as you exit the doors and head down to your left. And everybody can bring candy, even if you're not available for that. We're still in need of candy, and so you can drop that off here on the church office throughout the week. That'd be very helpful for us. So we're still needing some candy for our trunk or treat activity. Um, you see Parents Night on here, and the Connection Group um, open house, so make sure that you uh, that your group is getting ready for that and getting prepared for our open house. And if you're not a part of a Connection Group yet, we'd love to have you participate, in, and that'd be a great day to, uh, to stop by and go visit a, a connection group for the first time. Uh, just remember that fall background is still set up in the parlor, and if you're interested in getting a family photo there, you can go ahead and stop by and do that. That'll uh, be taken down tomorrow, so this will be your last chance. Uh, let me uh, close in some prayer. Before I do that, though, if you're a guest with us, uh, I know Dr. Cox just said he'd love, love the chance to meet you, and so as you're exiting the doors, head right down to your left to uh, the welcome desk, and, and he's got a small gift for all first-time guests. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you uh, just for the opportunity to gather here together as as a family and and worship you and uh, just to to hear from your word and be challenged by your word. Father, I pray that you help to transfer our mind and the way that we think. Um, Father, thank you for this time to worship. I pray that it was pleasing to you. Uh, help us to be faithful to you and, and to live for you this week. It's in your son's name we pray.